Hey, thank you so much for being with us. My name is Russell, I'm the pastor here at Reunion, and we have an online service coming out every Sunday for the next five weeks where we're gonna be unpacking our values that we believe to be formative to who we are as a community, the things that we long to be about. Now, maybe you've wondered like why people still go to church, why they gather, or like what people come together, um, what creates an identity as a community, and that's what these weeks are gonna be exploring and talking about. And um, we hope um, and have put a lot of intentionality in this that these would be a faithful expression of the Christian faith and that as they are enacted, they would be deeply meaningful um, to who we are as people, but also that it would be impactful to our city and our neighborhood. And so if, uh, if this catches your attention, if something excites you or confuses you, please ask questions and join in the dialogue of this series. Uh, today, we're gonna be focusing on the value of hospitality. So let's pray as we begin. Father, I love you, and um, you are a God that has welcomed us, that you've included us uh, in your family. And so the value we talk about today um, is from you, and as a community, as reunion, we want to channel that same welcome. And I just pray that uh, over the next few minutes that uh, the text that we read Uh, It would teach us that uh, there would be truths that uh, don't just teach us, but that inform our way of being, that uh, we might be different because um, we listen and we believe that your word is true and real and um, teaches us a better way to live. And so we submit to that now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So to begin, I'd love for you to think about the best meal that you've ever had. What were some of the features of that? What was the environment like? Uh, What was the memorable location? Was it homey? Was it a new place, a new setting? Was it in a different country? Who was the company, right? Were you a guest? Were you a host? What is the best meal you've ever had? What was the food or uh, the drink? Was it a special meal, a holiday, Thanksgiving or Christmas? Put that in your head as we kind of walk through this idea of hospitality today because food and table settings have a way of capturing our memories, engaging our senses, and end up being places that are really important in our lives. And my guess is that the most memorable meal that you've ever had was because you had had a sense in that place that you were safe, that you were welcomed, and that you were valuable. And maybe the food was amazing too, but I think it goes deeper. I think as we begin today, we should actually come really honest and really candid. And I think we should do this in general more as people, but to just say up front, we as people want to be included. We want to be invited for things, to things. Like you, you never hear people say, oh, well, you know, my friends went out and I'm so glad they didn't extend me an invitation. It never happens, right? We are creatures of belonging, longing for a place to be known and to be loved. And what we find in this passage today is that Jesus is reframing how we think about ourselves in relationship with other people. And he's giving us perspective on who's in and who's out. And so I want to set the scene and uh, and then we'll dive into this idea of hospitality. And in verse one in this passage, it says this, 
One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully, and behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And so Jesus is in the house of a prominent Pharisee, a religious leader, and a man with this disease comes in. And dropsy is the, this disease where you have swelling in your skin uh, caused by fluid in the body's tissue. And so this man would have been considered unclean and unfit um, to be at the table. And Jesus, like Jesus normally does, he uses this as an opportunity to teach. Jesus never wastes an opportunity to teach. And he begins to talk about what the kingdom of God is like. And Now, it should be noted here that Jesus, uh, throughout the Gospels, is noted as having um, culturally questionable table practices. Uh, one commentator I read this week said, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either, either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. And so uh, in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, Jesus is labeled as a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And some of you are like, Jesus is my guy, right? Um, my guess is that Jesus would have loved a five o'clock Friday happy hour, right? Jesus uh, leverages this uh, time at the table with these religious leaders to speak about the way that he's breaking down cultural barriers. So it should be noted that in the, the ancient Mediterranean world, uh, food and table rituals, um, they had a lot to do with status and inclusion. And, and to share a meal with someone actually had a lot to do with intimacy and you vouching for that person's character. And so to invite or to not invite, to accept an invitation, to not accept an invitation had to do with the perceived quality of the other person or the people being gathered. And then in addition to this, um, uh, for many Jews, the table was uh, a place of a focus at the table was um, cleanliness, uncleanliness, contamination, um, people who are acceptable or unacceptable. And for Jesus, what that meant or what he was speaking to was matters of who's in and who's out. And inclusion was central to his uh, life and to his teaching. And so what about this idea of hospitality and Jesus? Well, let's look at the dictionary here. The dictionary defines hospitality as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. And so we'll kind of push forward with that um, reception of strangers or guests. We can get kind of tripped up with that idea of entertainment, with this idea of hospitality. But in many regards, the word hospitality has been hijacked by an industry, the hospitality industry. So when we hear the word, we think of food and beverage and travel and hotel. But what we actually need to do is take this idea of hospitality deeper. And what I mean by deeper is that we have to begin through this word to evaluate how is it that we see and value other people the stranger, right? We live in a world that is deeply skeptical of strangers. Strangers are just people we don't know, right? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a house that taught stranger danger, that we should live in fear of the other, right? We should be fearful of that which we don't know. And that, this was a real reaction in this time uh, against violence against children and, and was cautionary. And, and, and part of it, we can easily say that's, yeah, that's good. We should be, um, we should be safe, right? Uh, post 9-11, um, we, we see that we live in a society where fear dominates the public landscape, um, fear of the other, uh, that, that makes our, uh, our social way tense, 
It's the very fabric of our society. We have dogs for our apartments. My, my apartment has three locks on the door. Um, some of you have buildings with doormen. I know some of you are fancy like that too. Uh, we have security guards and police officers everywhere. Uh, my wife has the Citizens app. I, I can't do it. I, I would be checking all the time, like, what happened? Where did it happen? When we travel, we watch our luggage. When it's laid out or, 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 uh, late out or dark and we're on the train or we're walking the streets, our, our bodies can actually get physically tense with the fear of a possible attack. I do these things too. I think the only people in the world that don't lock their doors are the Canadians. Um, I, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, someone can confirm that. But what, what I mean to say here is that the way in which we perceive others culturally has a deep impact on how we see other people and how we perceive them and then how we welcome them. And we do in our culture struggle to understand the other. I love how Henry Nouwen says it. It's one of my favorite quotes. He says, in a world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, culture and country, from their neighbors, friends and family, from their deepest self and their God, we witness a painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. And so there's a, uh, I'm gonna interrupt here. There's a deep desire that we have, right? Inclusion, safety in the midst of a tense society. But he goes on, and this is, this is the kind of church I wanna be a part of right here. Listen to this. Hospitality, therefore, means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. And so in a culture of isolation and individualism where we've perceived the stranger as someone that's dangerous, how do we create space where friends can, where enemies can become friends and this is the invitation here of Jesus and I think what is taking place in this passage and so the Greek word for hospitality is phylloxenia uh, it means to welcome the stranger very like literal welcome the stranger and then we begin to ask well who is the stranger and the Old Testament actually talks a lot about uh, the stranger as someone who is a part of a specific category the vulnerable and the prophets, um, Hosea and Amos, name five primary categories uh, of those uh, who are vulnerable. The poor, the sick, the orphan and the widow, the foreigner or the sojourner, and then the prison captives. And the prophets say to, to do hospitality to the vulnerable is to welcome these five types of people. And then in the New Testament, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And the writer of Hebrews said, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Hospitality, to welcome the strangers. And this is what Jesus is challenging uh, the religious leaders uh, within the passage. And in verse 7, it says this. Now, he told a parable to those who were invited. And so a parable is just a, a short story that illustrates a profound truth. And it says, um, when he, well, it says, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, 
do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And then verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a regular feature of Jesus's life in ministry that he flips the script. He flips the cultural way of doing things on its head. Jesus said the first will be last. If you wanna be great, you need to be a servant. Jesus was rich, the Bible says, but he became poor. And in verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Um, One of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This by uh, Guy Raz. And last year he uh, hosted Danny Meyer uh, of the Union Square Hospitality Group. And um, I I loved every restaurant that I've been able to go to from Danny Meyer. And of course, uh, he started Shake Shack, which happens to have the best burger on planet Earth. Do not argue with me. Um, But Danny Meyer wrote a uh, book on hospitality. It's called Setting the Table, The Transforming Power of Hospitality in Business. And he says this, and this aligns so brilliantly with what Jesus is saying. He says, my appreciation of the power of hospitality and my desire to harness it have been the greatest contributors to whatever success my restaurants and businesses have had. I've learned how crucially important it is to put hospitality to work first for the people who work for me and subsequently for all the other people and stakeholders who are in any way affected by our business in descending order and listen to this our guests community suppliers investors i call this way of setting priorities enlightened hospitality and stands some more traditional business approaches on their head but it's the foundation of every business decision and every success we've ever had. And this uh, perfectly captures Jesus's upside down paradigm of who is welcome. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so what Jesus is communicating here in terms of hospitality is he's talking about our social relationships uh, with others. He's saying, do you understand who you are and do you understand who others are? Because at the heart of the biblical vision is how we love and treat other people. Of course, it has to do uh, with our vertical relationship with God. But as we understand that, then it begins to change and to challenge uh, the uh, horizontal relationship that we have with others. And what do I mean by this? It means that true participation with God, and hear me really carefully here, true participation with God requires that we know other people as subjects and not objects. What do I mean by this? Subjects, right? Other people are subjects. They're individuals whom God created and loves. They are not objects for us to undermine, to generalize, to manage, or to group together. And so rather, what what happens when we look at people as subjects is we look at them and, and we understand that people are actually foundationally worthy created in the image of God, regardless of race, class, or gender. And so people should not be minimized, generalized, undermined, or stereotyped. Why? Well, because every person is a story, rich with history and potential and strengths and weaknesses. I was thinking this week about 
how much of modern marketing, um, uh, the techniques of modern marketing actually uh, begin to objectify us as people, right? Um, the algorithm of, of apps and social media actually begin um, to ask questions about who we are and put us in the algorithm, right? Who are we interacting with? Who are we in relationship with? What type of engagement do we give on specific posts? What are our interests? How often are we on the app? How long do we stay on the app each time we get on it? The timing, right? And once it combines this information, steals your browser history, what it begins to do is target you, objectifying you with specific ads, right? It's guessing based on your behavior and your patterns what you might like and what you've already searched. And so these programs or these apps or whatever is objectifying you and I to sell a product. Now, we, we shouldn't just put the onus on you know things like that. I, I do think that's important and we should be talking about those things, but what are the ways in which we objectify other people sexually, that we make other people objects of our own pleasure? Uh, we object other people professionally. What can they do for us and for our careers? And over and against this idea, God always, always, always treats us as subjects and not objects. Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon, uh, I believe it was uh, July 1965, called The American Dream. And he talked about the uniqueness of humanity. And he writes, the whole concept of the Imago Dei as it is expressed in Latin, the image of God is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. Not that they have substantial unity with God, but that every man has a capacity to have fellowship with God. And this gives him a uniqueness. It gives him worth, it gives him dignity. And we must never forget this as a nation. There are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a base black is significant on God's keyboard precisely because every man is made in the image of God. One day we will learn that. We will know one day that God made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. There are no gradations in the image of God. And so hopefully what you're seeing here is that hospitality is far more than um, reception and entertainment of guests, but it's actually about the ways in which we view other people. And as Nowen says, it's about creating space for others to be welcomed and included. And this is what true hospitality does, is it, it acknowledges who you and I are in relationship to other people, and then it creates space for us to treat people as subjects and not objects. And so, Jesus keeps going in our passage in verse 12. He says this. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in and return, and in return and you be repaid. And so he's talking about matters of reciprocity here. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so what Jesus is, is again doing, he's talking about the haves and the have-nots. And going back to this idea of the hospitality industry, it's fully built on reciprocity. When you pull up to the counter at the airport or a hotel, they're gonna give you good or bad hospitality regardless. What, I, don't know, I don't know what they give you, but um, what they're doing is they're giving you that hospitality in exchange for your money, right? I don't care how many miles or whatever status you have, there is going to be an exchange. And Jesus is saying that that's not biblical hospitality. 
Biblical hospitality is leaving the safety of our friendships and opening up our circle of relationships, welcoming other people who are unlike us. I was a youth pastor for a couple of years and a good friend of mine uh, volunteered his time with these, uh, with these teenagers. Uh, his name was Evan and Evan um, was always aware of who was in and, and who was out. Um, youth ministry, is a teen, teen, being a teenager um, sounds terrible, <laughs> but um, youth ministry, being a, being a youth pastor, it's, it's tough because uh, the, the nature of the work actually um, uh, easily rewards uh, extroverts. And the ones who who like sports, and so you know, we we would start youth group off like playing basketball. And if I go back, I would actually change this, um, but we we'd start off by playing basketball. And there'd be kids that can't come in, and they'd say, you know, I don't like basketball, and so they would play games on their phone. And Evan would always notice those kids. He would leave everyone else, and he would just go sit with the kid. It was the most simple and beautiful thing. He would just sit there and and talk to them. And I think this is a small picture of what, what Jesus is, is talking about here. Don't limit your guests. Open your table, open your circle up, right? It's easy to invite people to your table that are just like you, but true hospitality is about expanding your circle of relationships to those who are different than you. And the thing that we learn here about Jesus is Jesus is boundary expanding and border crossing. That's the type of God he is. And so what I think we need to do, and maybe you're already beginning to do this, is making this a little bit more practical. Like, what, what does this begin to do to us? Well, I'll just ask you, what, what does it begin to look like for you to start creating space like this for others? Places of, uh, of space where regardless of what someone believes or how they behave, they're actually welcome. I started reading a book this, re- this week. I, I didn't get to finish it. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by uh, Rosaria Butterfield. And she says, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. I love that. And so just a quick question here. Who are you spending time with that has nothing to offer you in return? No reciprocal meal in return, no status in return. They have nothing to offer you. Who are you spending time with that has nothing to offer you in return? And then as we begin to kind of turn to what this looks like for us personally and and, and corporately, I want to get even a a little bit more practical. I was reading um, a book called Reaching Out this week by Henry Nouwen. and, and, And Henry Nouwen actually talks about this idea of hospitality and hostility as a spectrum, their intention with one another. They're always at odds with one another. And it, it may sound a bit extreme, but I think this actually ends up making a lot of sense. And so I wanna, I wanna show you the features of each environment, a hostile environment and then a hospitable environment. And um, if you've been around churches at all, maybe you begin to see some of this in, 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 in churches you've been in or in any community really. And so this hostile environment is impatient, it's frustrated, it's busy, it's rushed, it's fearful, aggressive, passive. Um, life is crowded with things to do, events, expectations, pressure. Here we're running from pain and death, right? Stillness and silence, there's no space for those things. Uh, new people are a danger to the way things are or they're, they're to be used for our needs. There's little ability in a hostile environment to manage disagreements and conflict. 
And so this is actually what's taking place as, as Jesus continues his story. In, in verse 15, I'll read these five verses. It says, when, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses, the guests. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought, bought five yoke of oxen and I, I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so I think these hostile environments, I, I mean, you start to see that in the passage there, right? Life is crowded, things to do, right? It's, it's rushed, we're too busy with it, that we could even make space for this. And you and I, the, the irony about reading through these things is that you and I actually know what these things feel like, right? We know what it feels like to feel unwelcomed, to feel like an outsider in an environment, to not get the invite, to know that there are cliques in, in a community. But rather, what we need to do is create communities of hospitality. And, and I hope as we just read these features of this hospitality, that you begin to see a vision for us as a community that loves our neighbor deeply, right? Community of hospitality is receptive. There are safe boundaries where we can question and experiment without fear. We invite openness while honoring uniqueness. We, we, go, we push into pain and death with compassion. We see the community as a place where people might be changed. There's a sense of who we are as a community of faith, but there are limits and boundaries with flexibility. And then we're receptive um, and we're open to confrontation with acceptance and challenge. What I find compelling about Christianity and following Jesus, it's a place to fully be ourselves, but to not stay the same, but to grow. And when I read this, my, my hope and vision for us as a community that we would be people that are growing in this, loving our neighbor deeply. And so what might this mean uh, for some of us practically? And I think um, right now, I, I know COVID times, you're thinking about table practices and like this is probably not the best time to think about having people over into our homes. But I actually think that this is a great moment um, to begin to plan for the future, to think about who is welcome at our table. For some of us, what that means is we actually need to evaluate the margin in our life, right? The, the, um, the guests that were welcome said, I have bought a field and I must go and see them. Please have me excused. Another says, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go examine them. Some of us are not guests or hosts because we have little margin in our life. We're preoccupied, like the text says, with the material world, preoccupied with money, preoccupied with our jobs and we actually need to evaluate that last question who am I spending time with that has nothing to offer me in return and what I begin to realize about this idea this value is that as we examine um, the vertical relationship with God as we begin to understand how God has included and welcomed us it changes how we view the others. As we take in this good news about Jesus and understand that Christ has, uh, God has welcomed us in Christ, it begins to overflow into how we treat other people. And so we trace the biblical narrative, God caring for his people in the wilderness. Uh, Leviticus 19, it's probably been a while since you've heard Leviticus. 
You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So God sustains his people through the wilderness, brings them to the land flowing with milk and honey. God welcomes and hosts and cares and provides and blesses. And then as we get into the New Testament, Jesus does the same thing. Paul says in Romans 15, 17, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so this is what we're going after, like in a personal way, right? We're challenged to think of other people as subjects, not objects, right? When we're uh, riding the train, as we're going to work, as we're going to get coffee, we look at other people as people, uh, as individuals whom God loves, cares about deeply. Uh, we're challenged to think about our table practices, right? That's the personal side of it. But then we think about it um, bigger, right? This idea of hospitality, who's welcome in our community? How do we look like Jesus in terms of our corporate engagement? And I pray that this is what it would look like. We welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Let's pray. And so, Father, I come to you right now, and I'm, I'm thankful for... Um, this idea, this, uh, this vision that you showed us um, via Jesus that um, we're expanding who's welcome, uh, that we honor uh, people where they are, we challenge them to grow, and we look to you as a way of doing this. God, help us um, know how to do this, how to um, enact this um, in a deep way that's both um, true to who you are and meaningful to our city. And, and most of all, God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who, who welcomes us and gives us a vision of what that looks like. It's in your name we pray. Amen.